Hollow Windows and Doors of Wisconsin's innovative hidden screen folds away when closed, keeping it clean while bringing in a ton more sun. Choose 0% financing for 72 months or a free upgrade to the hidden screen on our 250 series. Visit PellaWI.com today. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Rated R warning. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I, um, it, this is, I, it might be in the category of, of of TMI, you know, too much information. So somebody, a friend of mine, had actually sent me a reference to this story, and I, and I passed it on on Twitter. So if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 you, you can see it. That The story is from a couple days ago, and the, the headline is, Naked Florida Couple Crashes into FedEx Truck While Doing Things We Can't Explicitly Describe in the, the Headline. So let me kind of summarize what, what happens a couple days ago in, in, in Fort Lauderdale. What's going on is you have a, a couple who are kind of getting busy in the front seat of the vehicle, and the driver loses control of the vehicle and smashes into a Federal Express truck. Um, the driver is incredibly lucky that... Um, well, that the injuries weren't worse than, than they were. But the story I was looking at references a, a study that was done a couple years ago. Now, why you would study this, I'm not exactly sure. But the study, and here's the rated R warning, the study says that 33% of men and 9% of women have engaged in some sort of sexual activity while driving. 33% of men and 9% of women. So I guess I, I have really kind of like four thoughts. First of all, who are these people? Secondly, if you drive, this explains a lot. Three, I, I hope they're not texting. <laughs> at least they're not texting, or at least I hope they're not texting. And then four, who are these people? <laughs> it's just like, really, 33% of, of men. So I, I was expressing that as I'm sitting back at my little cubicle here in, in the content area, surrounded by a number of my teammates. And one of my teammates chimes in and says, I'm part of that 33%. I said, that is too much information. I do not choose to know. But it's like, huh. So now that that thought is going to be with me, you know, all day. One out of three males say that they have engaged in some sort of sexual activity while driving. Well, if you're if you are one of those, you know, thirty three percent, you might consider yourself lucky because if you look at this story, um, it it was pretty darn ugly. It was pretty darn ugly. Speaking of pretty darn ugly, as I was mentioning to Steve Scafidi a couple minutes ago, as I'm driving into work. I the and maybe you can find it cheaper around here, but I'm just saying at, at all the gas stations I passed between my home and, and getting here to the station, the gas it was five nineteen a gallon. I, I didn't see it as anything other than five dollars and nineteen cents a gallon. Five dollars and nineteen cents a gallon. Now that that seems to me to be up gosh, about 20% from at least a, a day or so ago where I was seeing you know, gasoline prices that were under 5 bucks, and, and you would have never thought that gasoline prices under 5 bucks would, would be a deal, and, and yet they are. So it five nineteen a gallon and increasing. Gas prices have a 
approximately doubled since Joe Biden took over office in January of 2021. So gas prices have have essentially doubled. And this administration really has no clue as to how to deal with it. And some people might say, well, you know, it's not all his fault. Well, it's not all his fault. But pretty much every decision Biden has made with regard to oil prices in the economy has has resulted in where we are. Um, The the war on fossil fuels, the discouraging people to uh, refineries to to build more, the, the threat that. Uh, and trying to encourage some activist groups to go after and sue some of the you know, oil producers and things like that. All of this ha- has led to the shortage of supply, which in turn, when you couple it with the increased demand, it drives prices through the roof. And I think there's some people who think this is a good thing. It- it's a good thing because we're going to make it so expensive that people just are going to choose not to drive. That is not, though, real-world behavior. Real-world behavior is people still continue to drive. But what they do is they alter other decisions. And we are now, I think, past the point where you say, okay, is it possible? What is that theoretical level where high gas prices make you, you know, would make you rethink your, your behavior? We're at that point now. Here's a text I got. Jeff, I was in Walmart in a Michigan tourist town on a rainy day, Sunday. It would normally be packed as campers from the state park um, hide from the rain um, there and in Myers. The store was almost empty. I've never seen it like that after Memorial Day. It was just me and a handful of other people. And, and what's driving that? Well, it's the gasoline prices. It's the cost of gasoline, and it's the effect that this has had on so much other stuff, like food and things like that, that are now like killing a lot of these retail businesses. Target announced yesterday that they were going to miss all their earnings targets, because what happened is... During the pandemic, they stocked up and ordered all sorts of things that people like patio furniture and stuff like that that were in laptops, stuff that were in incredible demand during the pandemic. Now that the pandemic is for all intents and purposes over and and the fact that you have these high gas prices and high food prices, that's where everybody's disposable income is going. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How bad is this for you? And are you now at the point where you are, in fact, making all sorts of choices that, you know, I was considering buying this or that or the other thing, and those plans have now been put on hold because I'm worried about the economy and all my money is going into my car or all my money is going into groceries. 855-616-1620. I think this is a dramatic shift in the economy, and this is what happens when you get out-of-control gas prices. It affects everything else and all these other businesses that are dependent on hey you know we we want you to spend your money doing this or spend your money doing that it's all going you know into gasoline we're not really going to get out of our cars anytime soon we're just going to have to make tough tough choices and all these other things that we'd like to spend the money on we can't anymore I don't rec- I don't think that a lot of the politicians starting at the White House recognize how significant five plus dollar a gallon gasoline is. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. We discuss. 
855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, I bought diesel fuel, and oh, don't even get me started on diesel fuel. I bought diesel fuel in Omro yesterday morning for five nineteen. By the time I came back past that station, it had gone up to $5.39. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just this. Jeff, these ridiculously high gas prices are simply a tax on the American people. We're seeing the trickle-down effects right now. Politicians don't have to worry about their reckless actions because they are the elite, not the hardworking average Joe. Well, th- this is a particular case where, and, and for example, I, I look, I'm, I'm up on my soapbox on this. You say, Jeff, well, what would you do? Well, in Wisconsin, there's two things we could do. You could repeal the minimum markup law, and you could put a moratorium on the state gas tax, which there's two taxes. It's about 33 cents a gallon. That immediately saves the drivers in Wisconsin 60 to 70 cents a gallon. Wouldn't that be nice? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, the politicians don't care about the price of gas. They just put it on their expense bill, and we pay for it. I only go to work and home. Can't afford to go anywhere else. Um, Jeff, these gas prices, quite honestly, may kill me because I have to drive to work but have limited income, and when doubled gas prices... I'm really struggling with money to buy groceries. Well, yeah, that that's it. So if you're struggling, uh, again, all your disposable income is going to get you back and forth to work and then try to buy food. That, that gives you nothing for anything else. And, and that's where this crisis comes. And I have to tell you, I never I – mean, look, I – I figured under Joe Biden, and I understand his his war on fossil fuels and stuff, I figured gas prices were going to go up. It never occurred to me that you would have the perfect storm where you, you have everything going on. And I understand that, the you know, the... The, the war in Ukraine and the shutoff of Russian oil has an effect on, on the global oil supply and is a, a factor in driving up costs. But don't kid yourself. There's lots of other stuff that is going on. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Marty. Marty, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. I'm uh, glad to be spouting off a little bit today. Um, yeah, it, ha- it has had an impact to where when my wife and I grocery shop, we look at something and we'll say, not this week. Let's see if it goes on sale. Um, and it wasn't all that long ago. We just didn't really care. Yeah. Uh, but it, uh, it, is, it is impacting us. And typically we like to go to Door County twice in the summer. And we just canceled one of our trips because you look at the gas and food has gone up. The price to eat, eat out is so high. It's like, um, we had to make a choice between uh, doing some house repairs and yeah. going to Door County twice, or we just said, got to drop one trip. Right. You know, it, it's... And um, it's, uh, yeah. no, it's not good. No, it isn't good. No, thanks for the call. You know, it's kind of interesting. You know, you, you make the reference to, to Door County. I have um, text that I was just reading a moment ago where they, they say, look, they've got a place up in Door County. They typically go three times a, a summer, but uh, they've got a truck. They pull a boat. And because of the exorbitant costs of everything, they're like, well, we're we're down to one. So instead of 
you know, three trips up there, we go to one. Now, I, okay, some people might say, well, you know, oh, poor people, they can only get to go to, to one vacation in Door County. But the point is that that is changing behavior, and it has that sort of trickle-down effect because now that they can't go up to patronize the, the places in Door County three times, they can only go once, it, it has an effect on all those businesses because you're not getting people that are coming in. You know, this is where this is, is just so insidious. Jeff, every Everyone I know is cutting back on other purchases because of high gas and food prices. But surprisingly, they're not generally cutting back on plans to travel. So I'm guessing that much of the economy is going to be hit by decreasing demand, but perhaps not the travel-related businesses. It's interesting that the texter makes that that point because um, one of the things that during the, the pandemic, when everybody was forced to stay at home, uh, essentially, because of the government-ordered sh- shutdowns and things like that. The, the the market was, everybody wanted to buy, we want to buy the new patio furniture, we, we want to buy laptops, we want to, you know, center ourselves around home entertainment. Now that that has changed, and the story I was looking at about Target, talking about how Target's missing its numbers because they're overstocked with, again, those things. They ordered a lot of stuff during the pandemic, and now there's not as much demand for it. And one of the things it was noting is that that people's people's desires have shifted and they, they don't want the patio furniture anymore if they've got if they've got any discretionary income what they're doing is they are spending it on things like travel and all because they, they've just been so cooped up over the course of the last you know year and a half so they're they're prioritizing things let's talk to andy andy you're on wtmj good afternoon hey good afternoon jeff thanks for taking my call sure yeah, so I just wanted to say, you know, I'm, I'm in Rosendale. I'm working in Milwaukee, so I'm driving an hour and 10 minutes one way to work, two and a half hours a day on the road, single-income family. So, yeah, same thing as an earlier caller, man. I am, uh, you know, struggling just to afford groceries and everything because all the little disposable income I have is going to gas. It's four seventy nine a gallon in Fond du Lac, and, you know, heading towards Milwaukee, I'm seeing five nineteen right now. It's, uh, yeah. it's crazy. The At some point in time, you know, as a matter of fact, I'm getting a couple texts from people, Andy, who are actually considering career changes if this continues because they're in the same boat that you're in where they're talking about, like, long commutes, you know, where it, you know, we have to drive 60 miles a day or whatever each way to get to and from work. And a lot of them are saying that, that the cost of that just is causing them to look for jobs that are, are closer to home because they don't want to spend all that money doing that. Absolutely. And that thought has crossed my mind. You know, a lot of it, too, is just having so much time in a place and an employer. It's, it's hard to consider that. But, yeah, you know, it's anything's possible now with these gas prices, man. Yeah, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. I mean, it's we are all in the the same leaky boat. Um, Jeff, I was going to buy a boat this summer. No anymore. Can't afford the payment plus the um, gas. Um, Jeff, I bought a membership to my local golf course earlier this spring. If I hadn't done that, I would have had to cut that luxury out of my budget this year. We've also had to cut back on eating out. Unfortunate for small business owners because I know most of them have families to support as well. Jeff, I think this is a first world problem. We all need to consume less and enjoy more of each other. We can learn from our grandparents how they lived their life. No, see, I, I, I understand the whole idea of first world problems, but no, I, I don't buy that at, at all. This, to me, is an artificial problem that it is created, and it's not just a first world problem. Yeah, if if you've got to drive to get to work 
and you're you're in a situation where you're now spending I don't know twice as much on your transportation costs as you spent last year plus the whole effect of high fuel prices is fueling inflation causing everything to go up and now you're in a situation where you're saying do I have enough money to I don't know put gas in the tank and and then you know buy clothes for my kids and buy the food no that's that is far from a first world problem and as I frequently say high gas prices are are a very very regressive tax by regressive it means you it has a disproportionate impact on on people with with less earnings you know it because you know the person that's that, that's well off. They they don't like paying five dollars and twenty cents a gallon, but you know they're, they're going to figure out a way to do it. The person that's struggling already to make ends meet now you double their gas prices, and they've still got to take the kids to school, and they've still got to you know get to work themselves. Okay, those are the people that really really get impacted. And I I mean I understand the frustration that's out there, and especially frustrating is the fact that there are solutions, but. Nobody has the guts to pull the trigger on them right now. Like I say, in Wisconsin, two things. Suspend the gas tax, take some of that COVID money or the budget surplus, and just for a couple months, use that to pay for the road repairs and do away with the minimum markup law. Right there, you save 60 cents a gallon. Governor Evers, are you listening? Republicans in the state legislature, are you listening? Because people out here are hurting. Jeff, we have cut back eating out and grocery shopping for deals. We will not give up travel with all the lockdowns the past two years. All I can say is please drill, baby, drill. That's from our regular listener, Laura, in Las Vegas. And it, that's sort of the lead in. I, 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 I'm always amazed. See, I grew up and I, I, I love the radio. I love spoken word radio. And I can remember... You know, there were times when it would be evenings and stuff, and you'd have that little transistor radio. And if you don't know what a transistor radio is, ask your ask your parents. But I can remember that little transistor radio, and and you'd be you'd be like futzing with the 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 dial, and you'd be trying to you could pick up like radio stations from. Gee, I, I've got a radio station. It's in Kansas City or something like that. Now with TMJ, we've got this, this huge reach, and I know that there's people you know all over the country that that can listen to us. But I, I can remember that as a kid. And I just it, it makes me think about how those days have changed. And I actually sent a tweet out about this because, you know, we have regular listeners and they call and they're, they're listening in Wyoming or Las Vegas or lots of people in Florida or Hawaii or things like that. You know, and people are listening and they're either listening in real time over the Internet and the stream or they listen to, to the podcasts, you know, when it's their time. And, and yesterday I, I I did a, a name check. We have a regular listener named Alan who listens in real time because he'll he'll email me or send texts. And he's in Wolverhampton, England. And Wolverhampton, England is kind of the, the center of, of England, I guess. It's a couple hours away, two and a half hours like away from London or something like that. But he's a regular listener. So I, I, I name checked him and called him out you know, said, hey, this is one of our, our listeners from there. And I've just it's amazing how many emails I've gotten from people who are are listening just a, a 
across the world. For example, I, I sent out a tweet about this. I just heard from one of our listeners, Lucas, who listens not in real time, but he listens to the podcast daily from Nagoya, Japan. <laughs> it's just, it really, the, the days of fiddling with the dial on that transistor radio to get a signal, they are, they are just, they are long gone. And it's, it's pretty cool. People always ask me, well, what about the reach of WTMJ? And it, 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 it's very, very broad. You know, you can hear us across Lake Michigan. I think we probably cover about two thirds of the state and, and then, you know, well into Illinois and you can pick us up in Indiana and things like that. But with the, the stream and the internet and all that stuff, it really, you're, you're able to, you know, take your hometown radio station with you pretty much anywhere you want. And it's just, it's just, it is amazing to me how, Radio listening has, in fact, evolved. And whether you're listening in Milwaukee or in Milwaukee County or Waukesha County or Ozaki County or in Dane County or in Fond du Lac County or whether you're listening to us in Wolverhampton, England or Nagoya, Japan, we certainly appreciate you doing that. All right. Um, by the way, if if people are wondering whether or not the criminals have gotten the memo that we're supposed to you know, knock off violence, uh, no, no, that's that's not the case. Uh, another story, Milwaukee police investigating two separate shootings that happened this morning. So the first shooting happened about 1.10 a.m. near 14th and Columbia. Police say a 39-year-old Milwaukee man was shot and died as a result of his injuries at the scene. Police are seeking unknown suspects. Second shooting happened around 1.45 a.m., a 15-year-old Milwaukee boy was taken to a local hospital and is expected to survive. Investigation is ongoing, and um, police continue to seek unknown suspects. Now, let's just back up for, for a second here. What is the dazzling detail about that, that second shooting, in addition to the fact that the, the person survived? It's, it's a 15-year-old. And I understand this is somewhat of a rhetorical question, but what in God's green earth is a 15-year-old doing out on the streets at 1.45 a.m. in the morning? I mean, you know, I, I always kind of jokingly say Wagner's rule of life number four is that nothing good happens outside a strip club at two o'clock in the morning. And, and take it from me that that's 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 gospel. That that that's true. But a 15 year old out on the streets at one forty five a.m. in the morning. Now, I, I understand that. I mean, I assume school is still in session this week, but that, that doesn't make any difference. I don't care whether school is in session or school isn't in session. There's no way that 15-year-olds should be out on the street. And I guess I lay that on the parents who, in their right mind, lets a 15-year-old out on the streets. And think about how many different situations we've had like this, where you've had the stories of the 11 and 12 and 13 and 14 and 15-year-olds who are involved in in the, the car thefts or involved in crimes of violence or whatever, and they're out on the streets in the middle of the night. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I understand that... You know, we're, we're talking about uh, imposing, like in Racine, they, they've 
they said, okay, we're going to start enforcing our, our curfew that says people under the age of 18 are, are not supposed to be out on the streets, you know, between 11 o'clock and 6 o'clock in the morning. And if they are, they'll, they'll get a $25 ticket. Now, I'm not against the curfews, but at the same time, let, let's face it, I mean, a $25 ticket that the kids aren't going to pay in the first place, that's, that is meaningless. But, but here, in this particular situation, it's not just the idea that the kids are out on the street, which is unacceptable. But it is, where where are the parents in connection with this? Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Maybe it's time to start holding parents responsible. And I'm talking about more than just giving them a ticket for a 100 bucks or whatever that is, if their kids are out on the street. You know, we always say, hey, parents, do you know where your kids are? It's 10 o'clock or it's 11 o'clock or whatever. Well, the answer is no. And if you're a 15-year-old and you're out on the streets and it's 1 o'clock in the morning or it's 2 o'clock in the morning, you know you're up to no good. You know that nothing good is going to happen. And and maybe maybe we need to hold the kids accountable. I'm not against that. But don't we need to start holding parents accountable too? 855-616-1620. We discuss. These crime numbers are absolutely unbelievable. I'm, I'm looking at the year-to-date crime statistics that the Milwaukee Police Department puts out, and this is just the city of Milwaukee. Okay, last year, which was a record year for homicides at 193, this time last year, year-to-date, they had 67 homicides. This year, and that was a record year, this year, the, the number they have is 89. It's higher than that. It doesn't include the one from last night. I don't think it includes a couple others from the weekend. But 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 it's, you know, you had an all-time record year, and then the numbers are up 25%. In addition, non-fatal shootings, this time last year, 333. This time this year, 354. So that's up. Carjackings. Um, 143 year to date. That was an all time record last year. Um, this year it's 148. So the carjackings are, are up over like all time record years. It's staggering the amount of, of crime and the amount of victims that are going on. And again, a lot of people, they, they wring their hands and they say, you know, what, what can we do and how do we do this? And then you look at the dazzling details of some of the, these crimes. I'm, I'm focusing on the shooting happened last night about 1.30, 1.45 in the morning, 45 and Eggert, 15-year-old Milwaukee boy, was taken to a local hospital as expected to survive. That that That's good. Police continue to seek unknown suspects. Well, okay, it, it's good that the kid is going to survive. But what what is a 15-year-old doing out on the streets in a position to get shot at 1.45 in the morning? And this is not an aberration. As somebody who on a daily basis, because of what I do for a living, you know, reviews the crime things and all, I can't tell you how many times you see the situation of, oh, they, they arrested a 13-year-old in a stolen car at 2 o'clock in the morning, or there was a gun battle that broke out and they've arrested a 13 or 14 or a 15-year-old, or in this case, the 15-year-old is shot. And I'm thinking, where? I understand... I understand it's almost a cliche, but sometimes it's a fair question. You know, where where are the parents and, and why aren't they 
doing at least a modicum of, of their job to try to say, okay, well, we're going to get the, the kids in. And I understand sometimes there's extenuating circumstances. You know, you think the kid's in bed and the kid's snuck out through the window or whatever. But that's not what the majority of these cases are. They're parents who don't give a rat's rump about their, their kids, and they're letting the kids run literally wild in the streets. 855-616-1620. Jeff, unfortunately, I've been made aware that a lot of these 15-year-olds, there are no parents um yeah it's just like they're, they're just completely and totally you know punched out jeff my condo unit is on south 60th we installed a camera in the lobby door that opens to the street from a locked entrance last week at 1 40 a.m we had two um obvious teens tried to enter the complex they could not get through the locked door but when they noticed the security camera they tore it off the wall we found it in the gutter and on the the side um right i mean there's no question uh, about this whole thing um jeff on the kia boys video there was one adult that said it's ridiculous um many of the other adults said well you know we have to be careful out there um yeah there's an issue with that jeff the 15 year old should be cited for a curfew violation as well as the parents should be cited for multiple infractions along with the curfew violation well that's the problem with all this i mean yeah okay the kid is out after curfew you give him a 25 dollar ticket you give the parents a hundred dollar ticket if the parents don't care that their kid is out in the two o'clock in the morning in a position to get shot like they're going to care about getting the tickets i mean that's the frustrating i idea um jeff all we have now for leverage is public humiliation um well yeah i think you know that's it jeff i'm agreed charge the parents as an accessory to the crimes they commit hold them accountable otherwise nothing will change jeff my friend is a teacher at the children's uh, detention center in tosa they don't care the parents are non-existent as far as discipline i agree with you you need to hold the parents responsible um the kids do what they want there's no regard for elders etc etc and of course what's happening is you know the kids are putting themselves in, in danger as well i, I just I, look, and, and I understand times are different. I, I get it. I, I grew up, I mean, I'm a child of the 70s, right? But I'm, I'm trying to imagine just, gee, it's, I, I think school is still in session. And again, it doesn't matter if it is or not. If when I was 15 years old, you know, my, I, the idea of being allowed to run wild in the streets, period, much less wild in the streets at one or two o'clock in the morning, was just it was not going to be happening. I mean, because there were some degree of parental controls. And we're not even talking about 17 year olds. We're talking about a 15 year old, for goodness sakes. And this is not a one off. This is a common sort of occurrence. Let's talk to Katie. Um, Katie, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Um, I think a good leverage is public assistance. I feel if you have a minor and you are, they're not getting to school, they are out committing crimes, you lose your public assistance. I mean, that money is to go to provide for a household and the upkeep and care of a child. And if you don't care, why are we paying? Um, I think it's great leverage because money talks. Well, And it- I know that... that that really might open some people's eyes as I better get my kid to school. He better not be, he or she better not be chronic truant. He or she better not be out past curfew. He or she shouldn't be doing, you know, misdemeanors and other crimes. 
Mm-hmm. That's the way I feel. Well, you know, it's interesting, Katie. I mean, I, I do think there needs to be more consequences. I, I don't know about. Th- I, mean, I don't know about that. Because maybe in that case it, it hurts, you know, other members of the family or things like that. But I mean, here's an idea. I mean, and, and we're we're not. Let's not talk about the the 15 year olds that are out there committing significant crimes. Let's just talk about the people that are out on the streets when they shouldn't be. Um, have the kids and parents force them to work together, doing significant community service, cleaning up trash throughout the city. God knows there's enough of that that's uh, around. Um, yeah, you need to have some penalties that are are in place because at the end of the day i mean i understand that the whole it it takes a village and there's some elements of truth to that but it starts at home and it just does and i think maybe regardless of our political persuasion liberal conservative republican democrat independent um somebody who resides in an urban area somebody who resides in the suburbs i I think everybody could agree that 13 and 14 and 15 year old kids shouldn't be running the streets at two o'clock in the morning, right? I, can we all agree with that? They should be at home. They should be under some sense of sort of supervision because nothing good is going to happen. And if there, there's only so much that law enforcement can do. There's only so far you can go. It does start at the home. And if, if the parents aren't going to do minimal sorts of jobs about trying to account for where the kids are, maybe we need to start holding the parent. Forget maybe we need to start holding those parents more accountable because nothing good is happening on those streets. More details are emerging on on the psycho who um, allegedly was involved. I, I say allegedly that the psycho who killed um, circuit judge, former circuit judge John Raymer up in Juneau County. And, and this was a situation where the judge had, had sentenced the guy for a burglary charge 17, 18, 19 years ago. And apparently he had been holding a, a grudge since then. A hit list was found in his vehicle, including the judge, Tony Evers, Senate leader Mitch McConnell and Michigan Governor uh, Gretchen Whitmer, um, among others. So it's all across the political spectrum. And who knows what this guy's grievances were. As I was saying yesterday, the the thing that is particularly chilling and and I think impacts anybody who's ever been in law enforcement, anybody who's ever been a prosecutor, anybody who's ever been a, a, a judge, um, you you know, that, that's always in the back of your mind that there's one of these psychos from your past, in this case, somewhat distant past, who's just been, been holding a grudge for years and years and years and years and years and finally decides to act out. They're now starting to look at ways to increase the security on court officials. And I'm I'm 100 percent in favor of that. Thankfully, this is a rarity. Typically, this doesn't happen. But it, it does. It certainly gets your attention. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Today is a, a primary election day um, for nobody in Wisconsin. But one of the races that's really being watched is in San Francisco. The district attorney in San Francisco is subject to a recall. The district attorney is is a former public defender who is part of 
that the same sort of informal club that Milwaukee District Attorney John Chisholm belongs to, they call it the Progressive Prosecutors Movement, and, and these are district attorneys who believe that we, we shouldn't be putting people in jail if we don't have to, and we should be coming up with alternative ways to deal with situations and and. If, if, for example, we've gone soft on somebody and they get out and kill somebody else, well, that, that's just, that's just an acceptable sort of collateral damage from this, this movement. The, the movement really, um, kind of took off a number of years ago. And like I say, I think John Chisholm is one of the charter members of this, this sort of group. Let's try to figure out ways to release people on, on bail. Let's try to use the minimum sentences possible to deal with it. And, and we've seen the results uh, of this. You know, crime, including violent crime, has gone through the roof. Well, in San Francisco, which is arguably, and I understand I'm thinking about Madison now, but San Francisco is arguably the most liberal country city in the country. Um, the, the folks in San Francisco have had enough. The last two years has been absolutely horrible when it comes to crime, and the district attorney has taken this position of we're going to try to pretty much do everything we can to avoid consequences for people that commit crimes. A number of the prosecutors in very liberal San Francisco have quit and are actually working for for this recall because they see where this is going. So I think one of the big questions is going to be if San Francisco, and the polls suggest that he will be recalled, if San Francisco recalls their prosecutor, you know, what is this going to mean moving forward? And I, I think it's going to mean for a lot of the People who subscribe to the progressive prosecutors movement, you know, district attorneys in Philadelphia and Chicago and Los Angeles and all across the country, arguably Milwaukee, too. I I think it, it it just shows how the pendulum has now swung and people want to have some degree of accountability. Now, I'm not suggesting that there's going to be a recall in Milwaukee County, but I do think if John Chisholm chooses to run again in 2024 and if. You have a law and order person that decides to challenge him. I, I think, you know, Chisholm's career is toast. Now, will somebody, will somebody run to the right of Chisholm? Don't, don't know. And it is, of course, Milwaukee County. But that's why a lot of us are watching what's going on in San Francisco right now to see whether or not this, this whole George Soros progressive prosecutor movement might start to run into some headwinds. Do people really care about public safety and do they really care about having their community and people who commit crimes in their communities held accountable. Which brings me to what happened last evening. And it's one of the reasons why driving a car on the mean streets of Milwaukee, and it doesn't matter whether you're out at 5 in the morning or 5 in the evening, you literally take your life into your own hands. Maybe you saw this all over the news. I know one of our reporters was down on the scene because it happened not not that far from where I am sitting now. So uh, around 5 o'clock, the police notice that there is a vehicle driving 2400 block of West Atkinson Avenue. This is 5 o'clock in the afternoon, driving recklessly, high rate of speed, no license plates. So the police, two officers, go to pull the car over. The car initially pulls over, stops. Oh, what are the odds of that around here? And as the police officers are getting out of the car, you know, going out to conduct the investigation, the driver, 
and I believe there's two other passengers in the car, takes off, runs from the cops. Okay, Now, this is more like what the normal situation is. So the police officers jump back in the car, and sirens on. They begin to try to chase the car that they had noticed driving recklessly, that they had pulled over, is now running from them. Okay, so this is what the chief says. During the pursuit, MPD squad car operating with emergency lights and sirens was involved in a collision not that far from where I'm sitting here, West Capitol Drive and North Tetonia Avenue. Okay, so this this is where it gets really, really bizarre. So the car is fleeing, the police are chasing the car, and the police car is involved in a collision with a third party, the car that wasn't part of, of the chase. The car that was hit by the police car, or vice versa, Okay, um, has three passengers. Two of the passengers run away. <laughs> okay, so two of the passengers that are involved in the collision with the police car, they flee. Um, one passenger, a 54-year-old man, suffered life-threatening injuries and is in critical condition. So he's seriously injured. Meanwhile, the car that they were chasing drives off. That car um, then hits hits. Another vehicle. In that second crash, a 28-year-old woman was taken to the hospital with non-fatal injuries. The driver of the vehicle, which surprise follows surprise, was determined to be stolen, turns out to be a 19-year-old guy who runs away from the scene, but he's he is caught um, at the time. You know, the two people who fled from the first crash, uh, they apparently go over to the they they turn themselves into the hospital seeking treatment neither one of those is seriously injured which is of course the the good news about this but you know you have this 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 whole thing is is again it it's a nightmare and I, i was watching the tv news accounts of this and there was a neighbor who was on the street saying you know, th- this just happens all the time. You've got cars that are driving like bats out of you know where, and, you know, they're just blowing through red lights and they're driving 80 and 90 miles an hour like they don't care. And then the, the person went on to say, well, just I, I don't know why the police are chasing. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Anytime there is a decision made to to chase a car, there is always the risk that something like this is going to happen. It doesn't happen often, but it does, in fact, happen when you have innocent people. And, and the police are trained as to how to do these chases and things like that. But sometimes just bad stuff ends up happening. So there are folks out there who think, hey, you're better off just letting the bad guy get away. You're, you're better off letting the guy who's driving 90 miles an hour in the stolen car, no license plate, so you have no way of ever identifying him. You're better off just to let him go. And that actually is pretty much what the philosophy was in Milwaukee under Ed Flynn and Tom Barrett for you know several years. It was, you know, we're, we're not going to chase unless we have evidence to believe that the person driving has committed a felony and only certain types of felonies. And, of course, most times you, you don't know why the person is, is running. In this case, they pull the car over because it's driving dangerously. It's driving recklessly. They stop the car. The driver takes off. They, they don't know why the driver is running. They don't know, is the car stolen? Is there a body in the trunk? You know, what what's 
going on. They, they don't know. They just know that you've got this perp that's fleeing from you. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I, I think you always have to use discretion in saying, okay, what are the circumstances be, behind you know, chasing. Do we chase? Do we not chase? And and how much risk does it put the officers in and how much risk does it put third parties in? But I think it is foolish in the extreme to simply say we're, we're not going to we're, we're just going to let people drive off. No, I, I think people need the bad guys need to be chased. And if you look at what happened yesterday, there is one person and only one purpose person to blame for these multiple car crashes. And that is the 19-year-old guy driving the stolen car who took off. And it'll be interesting to see what his record is. Was this his first time at the rodeo? And we all know it probably wasn't. And then we can ask some of those questions about if this wasn't his first time at the rodeo, why was he out on the street in a position to cause this kind of carnage? But but this is this is why we got to get serious about these people in the first place. I don't think you can tell the cops not to chase. That does not make the community safer. And yes, it, it's very unfortunate. And these police officers were involved in this crash while they were in the process of doing the chase. But who's responsible for all this? It's not the cops. It's the guy that ran in the first place. 855-616-1620. We discuss. 855-616-1620. Jeff, there's a text. If the police would stop chasing... Officer Irvine, Irvin, um, who's a Milwaukee police officer, who died a year ago today, might still be alive today. The suspect in that chase was apprehended later and sentenced to 30 years in prison, but he didn't die. An innocent police officer died instead. Well, right, that's, that is one of the risks that, that are attendant to, you know, being involved in, in law enforcement. So they're, they're saying, well, maybe, you know, it would have been safer for the police officer if they didn't chase. Well, that's kind of like saying, okay, if you've got a hostage situation, do police officers, you know, should they not draw guns and risk themselves, you know, getting in into gun battles with bad guys? I mean, it's, it's, it's part of what comes, unfortunately, with the territory, and it, it all comes with protecting and serving, which is why, you know, you need to be smart about this. But if the response is, oh, oh, just let this crazy person driving a stolen car who's driving at a high rates of speed and who's now fleeing the cops, just let him drive off so he can maybe hit and kill someone else or get on out and steal some other car or whatever. I just don't think that that's acceptable. The problem is we go too soft on reckless driving. We go too soft on car thefts. If we would start when we catch these people, start putting them in prison, then I think maybe you start to make an impression. Then you have fewer chases, ultimately, because if nothing else, you're getting the bad guys off the street. There is just no respect for anything else that's anybody else's property, anybody else's life, and there's no consequences for, uh, again, engaging in this type of behavior. Now, maybe in this situation, now that they've caught this guy, maybe he's going to go to jail for 30 years or more. I hope that that is the case. But let's look at his record. Like I say, I'll bet you this is not his first time at the rodeo. If we had come down like a ton of bricks on him earlier, maybe he would have been less inclined to run in the first place. John on the north side. John, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Good. What do you think? Yes, um, I think you're right. You know, they need to, either way it goes, someone is going to get hurt. But I believe there's enough, I believe there's enough police to, to, to gang up on this guy. 
and, and corner him off before he goes, you know, three miles. You know, just just call all the cops in to get this guy. And when you get him, um, uh, don't let them let him out because he haven't learned nothing. And you can go by his record, like you were saying before. You know, they're killing us out here. Yeah. And, it's, and the police got to do something. I mean, it's their job. It ain't my job. Well, you know, well it's, it's their job to... to, to Right to catch the bad guys, yeah, ab- absolutely. Because everybody is everybody is at risk, and I think one of the things, John, we we learned from a few years of not chasing is it didn't work. I, I mean, because it just emboldened the it bad guys work. to run. They look, they 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 they, they caused this because they let it happen. They let this city got so bad, and 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 let these guys back out again. And I don't care what color you are, white, black, or pink. You know, if you're wrong, you're wrong. You know, you need to lock these people up and get them off the streets, and and yeah. and and and, and they have to do it again. Yeah, lock sure. them up for longer time. Yep, John. The, the congregation says amen. And you know what? I think. I don't care what community we're in. I, I think most people would would agree with that. I mean, if I, I I can't look, I can't imagine what it would be like to living to live in in some of these neighborhoods where you are awakened, if not every day, you are awakened, you know, a couple times a week with the sound of of some some crash or somebody. Hey, you look out your door and there's a car driving ninety miles an hour down the street, blowing through red lights, or you you have to if you're standing on a street corner, you have to always. I'm not talking about crossing the street. I'm talking about standing on a street corner you have to look both ways and be prepared to move fast because you don't know when that 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 15 year old punk or the 19 year old punk driving the stolen car is going to come along at 90 miles an hour swerving and you know hit you or not i mean this this kia boys documentary that we we talked about extensively last week that that's they're they're talking to some of these juvenile car thefts and thieves and and that's their attitude they say well people better look out it's it's their fault and again that's why i go back to my basic premise here it it's what happened yesterday is unfortunate in the extreme but there is one person and one person alone to blame for this whole thing and it's not the cops it's the 19 year old who made the decision to run from the police in the first place dave and franklin dave you're on wtmj good afternoon hey jeff hi dave It's nuts. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It is. People drive just. I mean, I'm in Franklin, and they're driving like morons. Yeah, well, and thanks for call, Dave. It's it's not just it's just a dangerous sort of. I'm I'm not sure. Morons is not the word I would use. Actually, the word I would probably use, I cannot say on the radio, but, but it, it's, we, look, you shouldn't take your life into your own hands. If you decide you want to drive down Capitol Drive in Milwaukee, or you decide you want to drive, you know, pick, pick a street, Hampton, what, what, whatever, North Avenue, Wisconsin Avenue, you shouldn't take your life in your hands doing this. You shouldn't take your life in your hands if you're a pedestrian and you're, you're crossing the, the street on one of these major streets. Yet that is precisely what we have going on here. It is wild in the streets. It is Lord of the Flies, and we need to get a handle on it. And what happened again yesterday, I guess I was incensed by the tone of some of this coverage, which was, well, maybe the police shouldn't be chasing. 
What do you mean maybe the police shouldn't be chasing? That means you're just going to let this punk car thief drive away at 90 miles an hour and then either steal other cars and keep stealing cars until finally he ends up hitting and killing someone else because you know that is going to happen. I think you need to start intervening earlier on, and I think this is one where the the general public – Again, regardless of your political persuasion, the general public is so far ahead of the judges and the prosecutors and some of the politicians because we, we got to clean this up. You know, we, we've got to clean it up. I yearn for the day that you don't have conversations about reckless driving and, and police chases, but that's not going to happen until we convince people that there are consequences for running from the cops and it's not going to be something that's just kind of laughed off and then the bigger point is why do they run from the cops well it's because many times they've got a stolen car they've committed some other crime well maybe let let's let's go back there when you catch the person and they've stolen a car maybe maybe we should hold them accountable for that what a novel concept you know i really do long for the day when when we don't have to talk about 25 cars being stolen a day from the streets of Milwaukee. And we don't have to talk about the, the, the shootings, fatal and otherwise, just going through the roof. And the carjackings, you know, going through the roof. And the police chases. I, I really, I, I long for the day when we can, you know, talk about other stuff. But the bottom line is, there's this real, there's this real thin line with, with the, the social fabric. And with crime as out of control as it is, and and it's really, it's a small number of people, I believe, who commit the vast majority of crimes. The problem is those criminals do it over and over and over and over again. And until we can either convince those career criminals to stop or we can get them out of society so decent law-abiding citizens can can live, we're going to have this problem. But I I long for the day that that sometime maybe maybe that'll happen. I'm not holding my breath that it's going to happen anytime soon. Now, Jane, I know you are just the messenger in telling us the weather, but the last last two and a half months have just been awful around (laughs) here. I mean, April, May, halfway through June, I I think you can count the number of of what I would describe as really nice days, probably on on one hand. It's just, you know. Yeah, they've been few and far between. Although, I am one of those terrible people who, when it gets to be 85... I'm complaining. Oh, oh yeah, but we're, we're, we haven't been close to 85. Which know, is good. It, right. <laughs> right. It, it's just, it's like the rain and it's, it's just, I mean, normally I, I understand people think about, you know, maybe it, Wisconsin in April as being spring. It, it's really, it's really not what you know is spring. But generally speaking, by May or June, you know, you're we're having a string of nice days and it's still, I, I just, every time I go out in the morning to walk the dog, I'm just stunned by, if it's not pouring rain, how cold it is. Yeah, I, I, but I can remember back a few years, uh, our neighborhood has a concert series and I usually emcee a couple of those uh-huh. and the first one is coming up next week, actually next Thursday. And I can remember a few years ago, the first one towards the end of June, People were had blankets. Oh yeah, because it, it's yeah, it's Wisconsin. It, it is Wisconsin, and <laughs> I, I'm just I, I'm willing. To, I, where is this global warming they used to talk about? I mean, oh. let's raise the temperature at least a little bit and stuff. Just saying, but we're not going to blame you for the. My, it, the reason I'm particularly sensitive to this is my my wife plays golf on, on. She's part of like this ladies' golf league on Wednesdays. Oh, it, tomorrow it's just, is not going to be a good day. Well, no, and last Wednesday, well, I mean, if if you go back and you look between. 
rain or between, you know, hey, it's 45 degrees out. There, there has not been a lot of Wednesday golf. And I, I hear about that when I go home. You know, Jeff, maybe it's a sign she needs to pick up an indoor hobby. <laughs> or or just, you know, maybe play more golf, you know, expand it to like Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays <laughs> and Sundays. You should look out on one of those days. I got it. It would work out. And again, the the breaking news story is that the man who was responsible for killing retired Juneau County Judge John Reamer, I guess is how you pronounce it, um, his name is Douglas Udy. He has um, he has died. He's now been declared legally brain dead. This was one of the situations where after he apparently killed the retired judge, he then you know shot himself. Um, it is part of like a standoff with police and he has apparently now died from self-inflicted gunshot wounds and so we won't exactly know what his motivation was other than he was clearly a, a dangerous psychopath who should not have had guns but of course he was a multiple felon so the laws were there but it didn't stop him from getting the guns in the first place in any event the man suspected of killing the retired juno county judge has now died all right let us switch gears a week or two ago we, we had a conversation about entertainment around here and, and what brought it on was the fact that you now have two competing repo- proposals. There's the Live Nation group that originally wanted to build a, a new entertainment venue, 3,500-seat entertainment venue, um, kind of in the shadow of Summerfest. And what happened is you had neighbors who, who live in that third ward area coupled with a competitive group, a, a group that's responsible for you know, staging events at, at other entertainment venues. They didn't want the they didn't want it there. So they fought it. So the Live Nation group said, Okay, fine, what we're gonna do, we're we you don't want it in the third ward by Summerfest, which would have been in my opinion a great location for that area. They said, Okay, fine, here's what we're gonna do. We are going to we're gonna put it next to Pfizer Forum and we're gonna put it on the, the site of the Bradley Center, or at least part of the site of the Bradley Center. And I, I thought this was actually, I mean, I think it's its a great move if it comes together. Um, the group that in part opposed this 3,500-seat venue in Third Ward, they announced pretty much contemporaneously that they want to build their own 3,500-seat entertainment venue as part of the Iron District, as part of the, this plan to essentially like 6th and Wisconsin, or 6th and Michigan, which is where the old Ramada Inn used to be. And it's the, the idea would be you put a soccer stadium there and then there's going to be a hotel and there's going to be low income housing. And then you're going to have this this venue that's attached to it. And, you know, we, we had this conversation. Now it turns out that the people who who want to build that soccer stadium, et cetera, they're they're looking for taxpayer handouts. And I, I think that's candidly going to kind of be a non starter. But the question was, can you really have, given all the other entertainment venues that we have in in downtown Milwaukee, and, you know, you you can list them, but you've got Pfizer Forum, you've got uh, Summerfest, the American Family Amphitheater, and the BMO Harris, you know, facility that's down at Summerfest that, that attracts, you know, people during the summers. And you've got, I said, Pfizer Forum, and then you've got the UW Panther 
Arena, which to me is always going to be the Milwaukee Arena. And you've got the Milwaukee Theater, which is has been a white elephant since they they you know took the old Milwaukee Auditorium and, and turned it into the Milwaukee Theater. And then you've got all the other private venues. You've got the Riverside. You've got the Pabst. You've got all the other venues that are down there. And the question was, okay, do we really are there enough bands? Is there enough people? Can you really support two essentially identical? entertainment facilities and and i just don't see it it happening at all and if you were asking me to bet which one is more likely to succeed it would be the one that is talking about building on the site of the bradley center because you've already got that deer district you've got the entertainment center that, that's down there you've already got all the bars along um along like third street and stuff you've got the proximity to water street you've got everything that's that's down there now, so you've got a ready-made entertainment district. I mean, time will tell, but again, it, it seems to me that I, I don't see how you can get two of these districts that are going to, um, they're just, they're, there's not enough demand for, for two identical size venues that essentially go after the same thing within five or six blocks of each other. All right, which brings us to this proposal that is now being floated around, and it, it's back. This idea that some in Milwaukee County have, including you know Milwaukee County supervisor, to try to create a separate entertainment district out by American Family Field. And what th- this would entail is, again, taking taxpayer dollars. So you have taxpayer dollars. You would tear down the the stadium freeway that's out there, and you would uh, kind of across the street from where American Family Field is now at you know a location that used to be Komatsu Mining Corporation that's now vacant. What you would do is you would use that land to try to build, um, you know, a, a duplicate of the Deer District, with the idea that okay, you're going to attract people. There. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As long as you don't spend too much money studying this, I, I don't have a problem with it. The, the brewers are, are very noncommittal on, on this because I think their concern is that it, it might, I don't know, siphon some stuff away from, from them. But as a practical matter, in the real world, how how many entertainment districts can you you support? You already have the Deer District that, that's there. And then you have, you know, to the extent that Water Street is separate from the Deer District, you, you have that. And now they're, they're talking about trying to create this Iron District thing up on 6th and Michigan. I'm not sure that's ever going to get off the ground. But then, you know, you're now talking about creating another entertainment district in, in the shadow of American Family Field, away from downtown and away from everything else. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is one of those things that I guess it, it sounds good. Hey, let, let's, you know, let, let's have more places to go and more bars and restaurants. But as a practical matter, can something like this succeed? I mean, during, during the fall, and winter and spring who who's going to go out to something like that i mean as a practical matter if you're going to go to an entertainment district aren't you more likely to go down to the deer district where you've already got the infrastructure and you've got all the all the bars and the restaurants that are already there during the summer i I don't know i mean are are people going to flock to that on non-game days and on game days 
Aren't you just going to be going and tailgating an American family field? I just don't see how this makes sense, and I don't see how it works, and I don't see how you can support, okay, we're going to have this entertainment district and that entertainment district and that entertainment district. I'm all in favor of places to go, but this one just makes no sense to me. I just don't think there's enough demand to make it work. 855-616-1620, what do you think? 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I, I don't I don't mean to be the doctor no of this, but at some point in time, you know, don't we need to ask some of these hard questions? We we got Tom's trolley folly. We we got the the hop because nobody was willing to ask the, these real questions like all these estimates that you have about ridership, where where do they really come from? And now, you know, you've got this air trolley that goes around and, and at taxpayer expense, you know, takes, you know, just moves air, and, you know, empty cars from location to location. Well, I mean, I, I support, I, I like the idea of having entertainment options. I, I get it. But you've already got the entertainment district on Water Street. You've got the Deer District that, that is out there. They're talking about now the Iron District on, on 6th and, and Michigan that will be an entertainment venue as well. And now the, the idea that's being kicked around is let's, let's take some of the parking lots away from the brewers and let's tear down this, that the stadium freeway and which, which you know, might have merit one way or the other. I'm really taking no position on that. But this idea that, okay, and then let's try to take taxpayer dollars and create a, a quote-unquote beer district, which is what they're calling it, out in, in that area. And I just somebody's got to be asking this question about who is going to patronize all, all that. I mean, yesterday, for example, we're at the height of the baseball season. Yesterday was, was an off day. Okay, you know, when there's not a game, are there going to be would, – would people have just – it's – it's in a, I don't want to say it's a bad location, but from an entertainment thing, are you going to drive? There's no ball game there, so are you going to drive out to the, the area by American Family Field just to, like, patronize a couple bars? I, I, don't, I don't see that happening. Game day. I mean, I'm going to the ball game tonight with a buddy of mine. I mean, it's so it's it's game day. The game's at seven o'clock at night. Get off work, pick him up. You know, we'll we'll go out there and we'll do a little bit of tailgating and then go into the game. You know, we're we're, we're not going to be patronizing. And then when we go in the game, we'll we'll buy a beer or something, maybe a hot dog. But we're not going to be you know patronizing like new bars and restaurants. I just I there there's limitations as to. The, these different venues. Yes, I, I understand the title town district up in Green Bay is incredibly successful. O- okay, that's fine. That's the title town district. How many of these areas where you have the districts that are successful? You know, look look at a lot of them. How many how many communities have three or four entertainment districts all within a couple miles of each other? And what is it that makes us think that a a beer district could succeed in any meaningful sort of you know fashions and, and I guess that's that's what I think the you know issue is Jeff realistically until the crime wave gets figured out in Milwaukee I can't see any downtown venues being successful that's the key people won't want to risk their lives to go to see a show or a game that's a major problem well you got to deal with, with crime etc Jeff I think this makes zero sense plus it could hurt the bars on Blue Mound or the bars that shuttle people in um yeah. I mean, Jeff, also, how many people go to the restaurant to be named later when it's not a game day? Well, I, that's a that's a fair question to ask. When it's not a game day, who's going to 
patronize this stuff. And if the, the principal market for a beer district is going to be during the baseball season, well, look at all the other competition that you're going to have. You've got, you're going to have, you're going to have state fair. You're going to have all the, the church festivals. You're going to have, you know, summer fest. You're going to have the various ethnic festivals and you're going to have everything else that, that's going on. Now, if, if, you can find, you know, private enterprise that wants to buy that land and think that they can some private developer that thinks they can make a go of it. Okay, that that's fine. Go with God. Do that. But if you're talking about a significant investment of taxpayer money, I, I don't see it. Just like I, I don't see an entertainment venue at the so-called Iron District on 6th and Michigan being able to succeed if there's an identical venue that's you know five or six or seven blocks away at the site of the you know Bradley Center. Jeff, if you're looking to you know have a new entertainment district, you could probably utilize the state fairgrounds. Um, yes. Um, that's it. Jeff, the freeway, no, that's a deal breaker. Do you understand how many people use it? Well, that's, that's a, I mean, that's a conversation to have. I guess I take no position on that one way or the other. I think one of the things that's driving some of this discussion, though, is the fact that you have a lot of people who are anti-freeway, and that's the justification they're using. Well, we can tear down the, the freeway, we can turn it into, uh, again, it's just regular streets, and that will make, uh, again, an entertainment district more accessible. And maybe the desire is less about trying to build the entertainment district than it is about trying to, you know, tear down the, the, to tear down the freeway. Uh, but again, that's, that's a discussion that, that you can have. I'm just saying before we get to that point, you have to realistically say, is there, is there a demand for this. Jeff, although I am very happy that the Deer District Entertainment Area has been so successful, and I think it's been an awesome addition to our city, I don't think another entertainment district is supported in this area. More does always does not always mean better. I truly feel it would fail. Yeah, I think that there is a huge element to that as well. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. All right, a moment of complete candor. I was actually talking to Jane off the air, and I was wondering whether this makes me a bad person. Now, there, there might be all sorts of things that, that make me a bad person. Well, that's not my, my self-image. But the, the story that the psycho who killed the the judge, the retired judge in Juneau County, the fact that that he has died. And I I was, I'm going to just be honest with you. My my first reaction to that was, one word, good. I I guess there's, you know, it's just like, okay, here's somebody who's committed this this horrible, horrible act. And I I mean, I'm, I'm sure he has family and friends and things like that. But my reaction was good. It was just, it's uh, of all the different things that I might lose sleep over or people I would feel sorry for, this guy did just a horrible, horrible thing. And, you know, he ended up taking his his own life. The interesting side note about this is apparently they they kept him on life support for a day or two uh, because he he must have filled out his driver's license card to be an organ donor of all. uh, You know, I mean, that's something you have to make that conscious choice for. But, you know, I just I'm sitting there thinking, okay, is I this radio show is about my honest reaction to things and my honest reaction. And my guess is 
for for ninety percent of the people that hear that news, that your your reaction would be okay. The guy that you know brutally murdered this retired judge who had done nothing but but his job inappropriately imposing a sentence fifteen twenty years ago, and, and now you know he he's killed. Um, yeah, the, the guy that killed him. Yeah, if he's taken his own life, my reaction is good. And I guess if that's what you think makes me a terrible person, I can live with that. But. I, I just, it's like sometimes there, there is fate and there is karma. And I guess I, I always say this. It's when you hear these stories about like the murder suicides where somebody kills someone else and then takes their own life. It's like, okay, why, why don't you just do the suicide first? I mean, I'm not encouraging people to take their own life, but if that's what the ultimate plan is going to be, just, just do the suicide first and let that other person live. All right. Something completely different. I'll give you the good news. I'll give you the bad news, and then I'll give you what I want to talk about about this. Um, just let me back into this. I, as, if you're a regular listener to this program, you know that I am I, I, I am an avid reader. I, I talk about this all the time. I think one of the greatest gifts that you, if you're a parent, one of the greatest gifts you can give to your children is is the gift of, of reading. And I don't care how you start them. I've told the story. I, I started reading the funny papers, and then I graduated to comic books, and then I graduated other stuff. But my parents instilled in me the gift of reading. And it is it's something that continues to this, this day. At any given time, I probably have two or three or, or sometimes four books going at any given time. And I, I probably go through depending on how dense the book is. I mean, I, I probably go through two or three books a week, certainly two on a slow week. And, you know, and, and there comes sometimes there, if I'm reading an 800-page volume of, like, World War II or something, it, it might take me, you know, two weeks to get through that one. But but I, I, I read a lot. My wife kind of rolls her eyes because it's like, okay, we're, you know, what are we going to do with all these books? And, you know, <laughs> don't you have enough books? And But I, I, I constantly I'm buying books. But I, I like I like to read. I think it keeps my mind more active. And I think it's it's just something that makes me I'm curious about things. And, you know, you you find out about it. And I, and I read serious stuff and I read silly stuff. I just I two two days I read this book about Dennis Hopper and his wife from the 60s and I, I don't know what attracted me to it it wasn't really a very good book but it was like it was set in Los Angeles in the 60s and it was about the making of the movie Easy Rider and things like that and I mean it was kind of a popcorn book but I, I went through it in two days but it, it was it was fine so the, the good news is that for people who think reading is done you're, you'd be wrong last year 2021 Readers bought nearly 827 million print books. 827 million. That is an increase of roughly 10% over 2020. So the number of print books sold up 10%, and that's a record since they began tracking those book sales about two decades ago. So we're at an all-time high with people who are buying print books. Right. That that's that is the good news. The bad news, I guess, is that the overwhelming majority of those sales are online. Um, you know, book buyers are, are migrating online. And so the days of people going out to the to the, the small corner bookstore, the, the locally independent store, or even Barnes and Noble, and just you know, kind of wandering up and down the aisles looking for books. Th- those days are, if not over, 
that that's not where the majority of people are buying the books and where this has a huge impact is on is on new authors you know the the people that you might be you might you're just browsing at Barnes and Noble or you're browsing at the local bookstore and you you ask the the clerk there or you ask the owner for a recommendation or you're walking a, along the aisles and you see this book and the the cover look you don't know anything about the author author but the cover looks intriguing and so you pick it up and you give it a chance those that's gotten much much harder to um, sell, and you know one of the interesting things is that of of new authors, what are the numbers that I am looking at of three point two million titles that you were looking at that were like new authors and things like that? Fewer than one percent of them sold more than five thousand copies. It's very very difficult for that that new author. To break through, I mean, maybe I don't know if Oprah still does her book club or something. You know, if you can get that sort of endorsement, you're fine. But otherwise, if it's hey, this is Jeff Wagner's first novel, and you know, it, it's out on the bookshelves, it's it's almost impossible to break through. Now, if you're a celebrity, that's perhaps a different story. If you're a known commodity, this is the latest book by you know so and so. Okay, that, that's fine. You, you've got that built-in thing. But if you're just trying to break in, it's very, very difficult. And part of the reason for that is again, people people aren't buying at the conventional bookstores anymore. More and more people are buying online. Our number is eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's my question. Are bookstores going to be able to survive? And the reason I ask that is, and I, I'm guilty of this, I don't remember the last time I, I went into a bookstore to buy a book. I know I buy lots of books, don't get me wrong, but I buy almost all of those books, I buy them online. What will happen is I'll, I'll read a review and... I'll go to Amazon, and they'll have the book, and I order it, and it's Amazon Prime, and it shows up at my doorstep within the next day or or two. And sometimes, sometimes I'll I'll, I'll browse stuff that, that's online. Sometimes I'll I'll say, boy, I, I've read something. This author seems to be intriguing, and again, I'll I'll go and I'll do a little bit of research. But I, I don't get in the car. I don't drive to the bookstore. I don't go up and down the aisles browsing. I just I like the convenience, and so I order this online and it shows up in a day or two, and I, more and more people are, are like that. I mean, one of the things I find is that a lot of times, you know, if, you, if you're looking for something, you go to the bookstore, and, and it's not in stock. They, they don't have it. They've got a limited inventory, and yes, they can order it for you, but then you know, it's kind of like, okay, well, why, why bother when I can simply order it myself? Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I'm not saying this is a good trend or a bad trend, but moving forward, I, I think bookstores are going to become more and more uh, of a niche. You know, will will there always be a place for I don't know that that secondhand bookstore or something? Yeah, I, I think there will be, but it, it's I think it's going to be a niche. I think you're going to see bookstores go kind of the way of, of record stores or CD stores or things like that. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, will there be a future beyond niches for bookstores? I kind of doubt it. 855-616-1620. It's good that people are reading. It's good that people are buying books. But the way they're buying books is changing dramatically. 
We discuss in a moment. Take a look. It's in a book. A reading rainbow. There you go. Reading Rainbow. Yeah, somebody, one of our listeners says, uh, asks, uh, Jeff, you know, what, what, what books are you currently reading? Uh, fair enough. I, like I said, I just finished the Dennis Hopper book. That was a quick one, book. I'm currently reading an, a biography of Admiral. This, this shows what I think is eclectic taste, or you might just say a scattered mind. I'm currently reading a biography of uh, Chester Nimitz, the, who was in charge of the Navy during World War II. Uh, the book that led to the movie Election with Reese Witherspoon and uh, Matthew Broderick. I'm reading the, the book that that movie was based on. I'm reading a book in that actually a, a listener had recommended this series to me. It's the, the Dunkirk series, which is fictional things in World War II. It's called The Giant Awakens. That just came yesterday. And I'm reading a book about the old United States Football League. So it's a completely eclectic tastes and things like that. It's just what tickles my fancy at a given time. But to me, the interest interesting question is but in, in all those cases I, I bought those books over the internet um, I, I just I I read reviews um, that recommended them or they were recommended to me by somebody and I, I, I didn't go to the nearest Barnes and Noble I'm not knocking that but I just it was so much easier I'm thinking oh that Nimitz book sounds kind of interesting it's coming out June 7th or you know whatever here I'll, I'll just go ahead and order it coming out June 4th it just came in so you go ahead and order it and I think more and more of us are doing that but it as a result of that it makes it tougher for new authors to kind of break through but you know what is the future of, of bookstores jeremy and racine jeremy you're on wtmj hi thanks for taking my call i, I believe you're right i think they're going to be uh going to the wayside I, we go to barnes and noble and racine all the time and we enjoy ourselves but we don't frequent it too often i personally purchase a lot more kindle and audio, mm-hmm. Amazon audios. Yeah. Um, being a truck driver, I listen to more audio books than I actually get the time to read. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah, even my wife right now, she took like 24 classes to uh, become an audio narrator for audiobooks for Amazon because they're looking for like something like 15 audio people per month now for the next like year or something because audiobooks are becoming a much bigger thing now than even Kindle. So, yeah, I agree with you completely. Yeah, no, interesting. Thanks for calling. And the, the, the whole audiobook thing, and I, I know, by the way, there's a lot of people in your situation that are, that are driving a lot that, you know, that go the, the audiobook route. If you're, I don't know, if, if you're a long-haul trucker or if you're driving, you know, on vacation and you're going from here to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania or whatever, and, yes, you know, you can listen to the podcast and, yes, you can listen to music, but I know there's a lot of people who are going that audio, um, the audiobook route. Jeff, I think people still probably crave books and print because they get enough on their device with their email, etc. However, online buying is here to stay. Yeah, I, I think... I think that that's that's kind of the, you know, I think that that's kind of the situation that's um, that, that's out there. Um, let's see, uh, Jeff. I use the library at least two times a week. New movies and books. I never buy books. Yeah, and that's that's the other alternative that's out there that a lot of people are are saying. Jeff, don't forget about the public libraries that are there. And I know there's a lot of people that that patronize the the libraries and use them for internet and you know use them to make arrangements for the books. Um, I. I'm all in favor of public libraries. I'm in favor of encourage anything that encourages people to to read. Diana, Diana, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hello, Jeff. How are you today? Well, thank you. What do you think? 
Um, I have a lot of books on ebooks. I have ones that are audio. And if I want one that I'm going to read in hand, I usually go to the used and out-of-print bookstores, and I get them for half the price that I would yeah. in the store where I usually can't find what I want. So I'm paying three ninety-nine, maybe five-something for a book, and I might get four or five of them at a time. You know, I'm spending maybe 20 bucks. What if there is, what if, there, what if you have, like, a, a favorite author, and that, that favorite author is I, coming out with the new book in the series, and it, it's 24 bucks? I mean, are you going to hold off on buying the hardcover edition? Yes, I will buy the paperback. Okay, so you'll wait. Yeah, that's, you know, Diana. Well, you have you yeah. have more you have more patience than I do sometimes. It, although it, it's it's interesting, um, a listener had turned me on to this. They call it the Dunkirk series, and it's a it's a fictionalized thing. It's kind of like the Winds of War. It, it's kind of a fictionalized series about you know um, World War Two, and it's set in Great Britain and things like that. And it's it's actually there's been. One, two, I want to say there's been three books, and, and the, I think the fourth book just came out. And it's really interesting because it, it just came out yesterday, but it came out in paperback. I, it, it got delivered to my house yesterday because I, I pre-ordered it, and, and they didn't even bother with the hardcover printing. It, it came out in paperback, and this would be, I think it's kind of like a newer sort of author as well. So they figured, okay, we're not even going to bring it out in hardcover presumably because maybe not a lot of people have found or turned on to this series, but it came out in Kindle and it came out um, in, in paperback, and which was good because instead of having to pay the hardcover rate, I, I just went right to the paperback situation. Uh, let's see. Um, let's see. I'm afraid that bookstores are going to go to the way of record stores and blockbusters. I read plenty, but between the Amazon, the li- the library, Amazon, and Kindle Unlimited, I can't remember the last time I purchased an actual book. Um, yeah, I think that that's it. Jeff, my nine-year-old is a huge reader. We go to the library at least twice a month. Um, he is reading Robert J. Stevenson for... Um, who wanted, uh, uh, Robert J. Stevenson, he wanted to read about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, yeah, it's Robert Louis Stevenson, right? Um, let's see, Jeff. New bookstores will go away. Used bookstores will never go away. Yeah, that's what I kind of say. Maybe you've got that niche that's, um, out there. Jeff, please also support your local library. I'm heading to the library now to pick up a book. If they don't have the title you want, you can get on a wait list. They can order it from you for another library. If I bought all the books that I get from the library, I'd be broke. Well, yeah, you've got that that's out there as well. Jeff, I'm a voracious reader. I read 15-plus books. I read 15-plus books on a two-week vacation in March. I have a Kindle, so I buy all my books through the app, and I have a monthly subscription, so most of the books I borrow for free. I love the Kindle. You know, it's... um. I, we, we have a Kindle, and my wife reads stuff on it. I just, for some, and I, I'm not knocking it. I just, I can't quite get into it. Just can't quite get, get into the, the Kindle. And I understand you've got the convenience. You order the book. It, it's there. But there's something about, that I still like about picking up either the hardcover book or the paperback book and throwing it in my briefcase and stuff and taking it with me. And I don't know that I can possibly explain what that is, but I, it's still, I'm, I just, I don't like, I'm not against the Kindle. It's just, for me, I still like the books. Bottom line, though, is this is going to be one of these trends, and I don't be surprised. I mean, you saw this with the um, 
you know, Barnes and Noble, their big competitor for years was Borders, and Borders ended up, I think, pretty much going, you know, under. Don't be don't be surprised if more and more bookstores per se just kind of go the way of record stores and blockbuster video. Not saying it's a good thing. Not saying it's a bad thing. It's just a thing. You know, that Top Gun lawsuit is fascinating from a legal perspective. It's the 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 essence. The way I understand this is, guy writes a magazine article, right? Um, years and years ago, Eight, in the eighties, right? 80s. In, in the eighties, and it, it really it wasn't like a book that was adapted. It was just a, a magazine article about you know, the Top Gun training thing. So Paramount buys the rights to it, and then they they create the characters and make the movie. And what happens under copyright law is after thirty five years, the the copyright reverts back to the original owner. So these folks are are suing Paramount, saying you know they didn't have the right to to use this for the, and, for the sequel, right? Which is making you know hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Now, my, I, look, I'm not a copyright lawyer, and I'll play one on the radio. This, this it's, it's a tough claim to make because what Paramount's going to say is, first of all, they're going to say that this they didn't need a copyright on the thing because you you can't copyright facts, and the, the story they had developed, you know, was. This this isn't really based on that original book. It's it's based on the movie and stuff like that. And also, they're going to argue that if you needed a copyright, still the movie was substantially completed before the thirty five years was up. Because keep in mind, this movie's been with COVID and stuff. The movie's been done for. I mean, they've been filming this for, for, a for while. years. Sure. Yeah. So I think my understanding is Paramount's going to say we don't think we needed a copyright, but even if we did. The, the, our original copyright was still good because, yes, even though the movie came out after the 35 years, most of the movie was made beforehand. For so, that, interesting. Yeah I, yeah, I don't know how it all turns out, but, you know, there, there's potentially millions and millions of dollars that are involved in this whole thing. It will be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, yeah, and you know Paramount's going to fight this in a tooth and nail, right? Big way. You know, maybe you know, ac- actually, in a, in a sane world, I, and I wonder if there's been negotiations beforehand, because if I were, I, I if I were representing the the estate of the guy that wrote that original article, I would have reached out quietly and said, "Hey, you know, we're thinking about bringing this. You know, send us some money." And I don't know if they did that, and because. Um, but yeah, this will this will be a high profile sort of thing. Have you seen Have you seen the movie? No, you're not a Tom Cruise fan. I'm not. I, I'm, I haven't seen it either. I'm, I'm. My wife wants to see it, and my um, my uh, my stepdaughter and my son in law they went and saw it, and they loved it. They said it's one of the best movies they've ever seen. That's what Scafidi said. He can't stop raving about it. It just does not call to me. Yeah, apparently it is. They, they, every description I have is it's it's. It's really less a sequel than a remake. <laughs> it's like like a lot of the same songs, and it's kind of the the same plot line, you know. Just everybody's older as <laughs> before. But I'll probably go see it. Well, I hope you enjoy it. I, you, can, you can watch it for me. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. When we come back, let's talk about student loans and what was the guy thinking? I'll explain. We'll discuss. I feel the need. The need for speed. I am told that Highway to the Danger Zone, and I, and I haven't seen the Tom Cruise remake, and I don't think I'm giving anything away, but I'm, tell, I'm told that, that that song makes an appearance early in the, the sequel. And I'll, we'll, you know, I, I, 
I was trying to think. I mean, it, it wasn't my favorite movie, but I, I think you know, I, it's it's just such a big pop culture phenomenon that I suspect that we will we will probably go see it, especially since my wife in particular wants to see it. And what do they say? Happy wife, happy life. And we certainly want to do that. All right, I th- this is a story that I I don't know that there's really any sort of larger point about other than what was the guy thinking. One of the things that I have noticed, and and there's lots of great stuff about the Internet. I mean, I was talking earlier about how now, you know, we stream all our stuff on the Internet. So instead of just, you know, you're needing to have an AM radio or a radio that gets AM reception, you know, you can listen to us. You can listen to us through computers. You can listen to podcasts, all this stuff. The Internet's been great in that regard. Internet's great for a lot of things. But there is this responsibility and there is this need you just you have to be careful with what you do and one of the things that i have just noticed anecdotally is that a lot of the people who get in trouble for things they post say on on twitter for example it's not necessarily things that they have written but it's things that they have retweeted, for example. Oh, I think this is clever. I'm going to retweet it, w- retweet it without understanding or at least thinking through, gee, I wouldn't have written this myself. But, you know, what what are going to be the, the consequences of this? And we live in a world where, where people are, are, are sensitive and sometimes it's deserved, sometimes it's not. But you you got to understand that. And it's always amazing to me, like I say, when I, when I see people who've been called out for stuff, I would say more than half the time, it's not because they sat and wrote something themselves. It's because they passed on something that they thought was was clever or whatever. Which brings me to this Washington Post reporter. His name is Dave Weigel. He has been suspended for for a month. The, the Washington Post suspended him for a month. What 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 is his offense? Well, he he retweeted what. I think we would all agree is a is a sexist joke. Um, I, let me let me quote from the story in well, let's I've got the New York Post story about this. I've got the CNN story about it. Um, it's and it's not really even a funny thing. He he apparently you know, somebody somebody tweeted him a YouTuber Cam Harless uh, tweeted something that said. Every girl is bi. You just have to figure out if it's polar or sexual. Uh, oh, all right. I, to which I, it's like, uh, huh? You know, the huh? But he, this would be the Washington Post political reporter, apparently thought that was funny. So he made the decision to retweet this. And that created all all sorts of, of problems after he he retweeted retweeted it because a number of people in the Washington Post newsroom you know saw this and felt that this was and and it is you know a, a sexist quote unquote joke and I say that in quotation marks so they started complaining about it he you know took it down he apologized for it but that wasn't good enough and so the Washington Post has suspended him for a month now it's it's gotten even more complicated because there is a woman who filed a lawsuit against one of the other reporters who had filed a lawsuit against the Washington Post saying that she had been sexually harassed, et cetera, et cetera, hostile workplace. That lawsuit had gotten
gotten thrown out. So now she's gone after this guy saying, I can't believe I work at a place that would tolerate stuff like this. And, you know, you're all off to the races. But it, it all goes back to and I don't want to have a conversation about, you know, should he have been suspended for a month or not? It goes back to that that underlying question, which is, why would you do something like this in, in the first place? And I mean, especially especially nowadays, and especially if you're working at a place like the, the Washington Post, where you know that there's going to be all this scrutiny of, of things and decisions you make and stuff. And so, look, I take no position on whether it was appropriate to spend, suspend him for a month or not. I, I do think that every once in a while, this is just another one of these illustrations where it, it's it's not... It's kind of like Watergate where, you know, it wasn't just the burglary. It was the cover-up. This is like, it's not like you wrote the tweet. It's that why would you, what would possess you to just retweet this? And, and maybe it's just, it's just kind of food for thought. It's one of the reasons, if you follow me on my Twitter account, at Wagner 620 I almost never retweet things. I won't say never, but I almost never retweet things. And if I do retweet stuff, it's almost always really, really benign sort of things. We were at Built Right Furniture, you know, our one of our advertisers, Vinny Vitrano and I on, on Saturday, and Vince you know, took a picture of us and he sent it out and then I retweeted that. You know, but but it was just like you people get in trouble for, for doing this and it's just, you know, before you hit that retweet button, you might want to really, really, really think th- this through. And, you know, this is an example of a guy who didn't rethink it and, you know, um, ended up passing something on, which was clearly sexist and not funny. Not that if it was funny, it would have been justifiable. But it's like, man, what were you thinking? And the answer is, obviously, he, he wasn't. Hey, if you've noticed, it's kind of like, I don't want to say upgrade, because that wouldn't be fair, but if you've noticed, like, the, the bumper music and stuff kind of being attuned to some of the things we're talking about, that's my new producer, Charlie, who's cranking that out, and I knew he must have been doing a great job, because my wife, who listens to the program, no, she, you're putting your head down, no, no, she, she came out and she made a point of saying, hey, I've been listening over the last few days, I really like the job your producer's doing with finding, like, a, appropriate bumper music and stuff like that, so public shout out keep it up because if fran is noticing that means other people are noticing and that's that's very very good so a shout out to that non-fatal but forever changed uh, this week on wisconsin's radio station wtmj's jane matinair goes beyond the initial police report and interviews professionals who work with people who've been the victims of gun violence and survived tune in to wisconsin's morning news every day at 5 50 and wisconsin's afternoon news at 4 40 to hear about the long-term effects the stories that matter to you on 620 WTMJ. I'm going to call an audible. I, I wanted, I, I want to talk about, revisit the whole subject of, of student loans. And apparently, you know, Joe Biden keeps delaying and delaying and delaying de- decisions, um, maybe to get it closer to the, uh, the election, because it, it looks like the midterm elections are going to be a debacle for Democrats. And I think some of the political calculation is if he comes out and forgives all or part of student loans, that's going to cause people to just absolutely love him and they're going to want to vote for him because he's, he's done this. There's all sorts of questions about whether or not that really is going to work out as
because he intends it. And then there's this legal, this little question about can the president just unilaterally wave his magic wand and say, all you people who took out debt and agreed to repay it, you don't have to pay it back anymore. And there's significant questions uh, about that. And we'll, you know, I, I want to just make sure we have enough time to discuss it. One of the other things that I want to discuss on tomorrow's program is what is happening Thursday? The the January 6th commission, the you know, people in Congress that are studying, you know, what happened on January 6th. And I, I think, you know, people and again, I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. I, I think what we have to recognize is this this insurrection, whether you think it was this organized plot to overthrow America or whether it was just a bunch of yahoos who got out of control. And I, I tend to lean towards the opposite, that, that second thing, that you know these are, these are yahoos that got out of control. But there's no question that, that it was wrong. I think that there's also no question that the response of at least former President Trump to the initial reports of this was anything less than um, exemplary. As a matter of fact, I mean, I think there's, there's if, and I argued this yesterday, and I understand that there's some people who hate to hear me say this, but I, I think President Trump's behavior following the November election uh, in so many regards, whether it was refusing to accept the result of the election or in encouraging explicitly or implicitly the stuff that went on January 6th, I think is just kind of unacceptable. But having said that, on Thursday night, the the Democrats are going to put on a, a nationally televised primetime dog and pony show, which is, um, I mean, aimed at, I don't know, showing the American people, you know, what happened. They've, they've already, there's apparently already like preset videos and things like this. Now, let, let's be honest here about what's really going on. Again, politically, it is shaping up to be a very, very bad year for Democrats in November. You, you've got, whether you think it's fair or not, the incumbent party takes the heat for uh, the the mess that we have at the border and gas prices that are five plus dollars and out of control inflation and crime and it goes on and on and on, so the the hope is that this can be a distraction that you can change the message that can, you can get people thinking about what happened on January sixth and not thinking about gas prices and not thinking about crime and not thinking about all these other things. Now I personally don't think that that's necessarily going to work but that's what the purpose of it is and they're hoping that people are going to tune in and they're going to watch it intently my guess is they're going to be disappointed but we will in fact discuss that and then there's everybody trying to find like like boogeymen and trying to find you know people to to blame for all the stuff that's going on and and again, the, the most convenient boogeyman is, is Donald Trump. And then the second most convenient boogeyman is, is Tucker Carlson of Fox News, who people are trying to blame for all sorts of stuff. And I think a lot of that is mischaracterized. But we'll spend some time on tomorrow's show talking about you know what's really going on with this January 6th commission and what's the real purpose of this dog and pony show that's going to be put on primetime television a Thursday night and whether that's going to move the needle in any material respect.